Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. Thrilled to have you here with us today. My name is Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, especially excited today because we have a really great announcement. And I want to let you know before we get to the guests, which I'm excited about as well, Ian has written a brand new book. It's called The Story of You. It is so good. I'm in the middle of it right now, and it is available for pre-sale as we speak. You can go to ianmorgancron.com slash the story of you to go ahead and order your copy now. Uh, and I would encourage you to do it because it really opens up the Enneagram uh, in a way that uh, I haven't read with other books. So excited for you to, to get your eyes on this. Um, so do that. That's ianmorgancron.com slash the story of you. That is T-H-E-S-T-O-R-Y-O-F-Y-O-U. All right, now on to our guest, Taylor Tippett, author of the book Words from the Window Seat. Taylor's been featured in HuffPost, ABC News, Discovery Channel, Time, and others. A really fun and interesting story today. We get into and talk a lot about codependency, which is a big part of her story. She's a seven. She's done a lot of work, and we're all going to benefit from her vulnerability because she came in really open today. I always appreciate that when our guests come in that way. So you're going to love this interview. Uh, that's it for me, Anthony Skinner. And now here is the host of our show, Ian Crump. Taylor Tippett, Enneagram 7, welcome to Typology. Hello, hello. It's a pleasure to have you on. You look all seven today. That's Big right. smile on her face. The whole room on the screen here screams seven. <laughs> and, you know, she can't make up her mind whether she likes New York or L.A. So she's in both places at once. At the same time. She's bilocating. That's right. Oh, my gosh. You I guys like weren't it. roasting me before. Now <laughs> I see what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wow. oh, yeah. Well, we got some time to get even hotter. So... Words from the window seat, the everyday magic of kindness, courage, and being your true self. This is your new book. The premise yep. is absolutely nutty. I remember <laughs> I got the, no, seriously, I got the stuff from the publicist and I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay, let me get this straight. Taylor is a flight attendant who is nationally known for leaving random notes on airplanes to make people's day. And I went, now that's a book I haven't read recently. <laughs> And it's a very seven very idea. Seven. I know. It's so seven. It's oh, awesome. my gosh. Is it seven? It's awesome. All right, Taylor. Are you st you're not a flight attendant anymore, right? Or you are? No, I am. I'm still oh, you doing are? it. Okay. Yep, I fly I, out what, tomorrow. What airline? I'm with American. You're with American? Yeah, so, I'm with American Airlines. Is that what the hat's about? Like you go from New York to L.A.? <laughs> no, I just thought it was a cool hat. But I do go to New York in LA. I love everywhere. So yeah. yeah, it's very, very in tune with my job. <laughs> very cool. All right. Yeah. So you, you are familiar with the Enneagram. It features large in your life. Tell, tell folks a little bit about like, um, how the Enneagram has shaped your self understanding and your, your view of the world. Wow. What a big question. Um, I, love the Enneagram because I feel that it's really important to love people's like true self, who they show you that they are. And I think it's really important to connect 
with people in a way that's deeper, you know, than just what they show. And I love that the Enneagram kind of gives a full picture of people's beauty almost in a sense, because mm-hmm. it is tied to like fun, quirky things, you know, like things we can laugh at. But then at the same time, like I really love the Enneagram because of how it's linked to our childhood. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, like when you meet people, obviously you don't look at them and think about their childhood within the first five minutes. But if they do something or or are a certain way, it's cool to know that there's something out there that like is the whole picture, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, that I think that kind of answers the question. Um, that's it. That was a big question, but uh, yeah. Well, how has it changed you? Oh, how has it changed me? Um, I think that having a more clearer understanding of yourself is so important in your journey of growth. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, like I said, the childhood things, I think in this, you know, spot in my life, I'm really starting to dig deep and work through my childhood drama or drama, (laughs) childhood trauma and therapy and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I think so much of who we are is linked to our childhood. So, um, I think the Enneagram has really just changed and impacted my life in a way to just understand myself better. And I think when we understand ourselves better, we can understand others better. When we understand ourselves better, we love ourselves better, which makes us love others better. So, um, yeah, the Enneagram goes deep and Mm. it's also, you know, I love joking and I think it's a good laugh and it's just all the things, you know? Mm. Was there like a moment for you as a seven, as you were studying the Enneagram that was like an aha moment, like, oh my gosh, you know, that's why I do what I do or that's. It's so funny. Well, there was an aha for sure. And I think that's when like, even in your book and like talking about what Enneagram sevens in childhood feels like Mm. and just feeling like, like my parents got divorced super young. I'm the oldest. I felt like I was abandoned. I felt Like I had to be in charge of everything. So even reading that was like instant tears because it was Mm. like, you know, everybody's always like, okay, they hired like a PI to view my life. Mm. This is me. And so that was an aha moment. And also when you listed in the book, how like, you know, the different like, I guess like bullet point things Mm -hmm. where you said that sevens always get dumped. (laughs) I was like, ouch, but wow. Like that was like my wow. Like, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Cause I had always gotten broken up with. And even if it was unhealthy relationships, I would always stick around and I would always, you know, get dumped. And I was like, he's that hurt. I'm mad at him, but also thank you. Wow. So Hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. A lot of times sevens will dump other people because of the pressure to commit. Right. Mm, And that that can freak them out. You know, it's like, well, if I make a commitment, that's going to shut down all my escape plans and my it's going to place limitations on me, et cetera, et cetera. And then other times they get dumped, I think, uh, themselves because, you know, people. if they're not very self-aware and they haven't done some personal work like in therapy or, or um, yeah. you know, using the Enneagram as a, as a tool, then th- sometimes they get broken up with because um, either people can't feel they can keep up with their energy, sometimes because the seven 
avoids when they're not very self-aware moving into deeper spaces that could be uncomfortable or painful or yeah. whatnot so they could be really entertaining really fun but yeah. when the t when it comes time to go a little bit deeper you know things can go sideways also sometimes sevens have trouble with follow-through and so you know people can sometimes feel like the any the, the seven can make promises you know and not kind of deliver uh, on yeah. them in, in relationships so every type has these struggles that are unique to their principal type but you know that's just a sort of a a handful of stuff that i've heard seven say that that's been you know a you know uh you know kind of repeating themes in in relationships yeah. that went sideways what was it so let's go here let's go there are you ready okay let's do it was there a common theme among all the people who broke up with you that they said you heard repeatedly like the reason i'm breaking up with you is x and you're like oh my gosh i've heard this before was there a repeating theme yeah um i definitely think it's more towards like the second point you made where i needed to do that inner work and mm. i hadn't and it's funny because i don't think my unhealthy tendencies have been because of a fear of commitment I think they were so linked to my trauma of wanting to be loved and feeling abandoned that I was like so way too much mm. because I didn't love myself first because I hadn't healed. And I just like wanted to be married and loved so bad that I like just smothered them. Mm. And so, yeah, I think it's more of like just not doing the work but not, it wasn't ever commitment. I don't even think I had time to think about if I actually wanted to commit or not because I just wanted to be loved so badly and like just have my person and not be abandoned and left that I would just do whatever I had to do to keep them around. And it was so like, just so unhealthy. So th that sounds like a seven who's codependent. Yeah, yeah, very. But it's right. funny too, because I'm such an independent person, but. Mm -hmm. In relationships, I was just so like, I didn't have a person like I just was it was love like I had to be loved and wanted and needed and you know, codependent on the other person to want me and need me and you know, do things like that for me. So mm. yeah. Well, I'm glad you're getting you're, you're doing some work, you know, yes, and, and yeah. you know, because codependency, regardless of your type, if you're struggling with codependency, um, it's, it's a really life limiting affliction. You know, yeah, and uh, that whole idea that I can't be okay unless you're okay with me, you know, and um, or I just can't be okay unless you're okay. And isn't it, I was gonna say, isn't it kind of a theme because uh, we've heard this before that this because the sevens, you know, so so um, uh, you know, paints the sunny picture of everything so much so that even when someone's trying to connect with them about something serious they can't you know or something that might be a little more sobering and then they finally get to the point where they're like i'm out of here and the seven's like wait a minute like when did we talk about this or when how could this have happened isn't sometimes yeah. uh i think um that it's 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 hard with sevens um, when they're not very self-aware, they're just haven't done their work mm -hmm. that, yeah. um, they denial is really easy for them. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like, um, sometimes you have to light your hair on fire is what I like to say with a seven yeah. in a relationship to get their attention. But, you, but when you have a, 
again, this is the complication of, of the human personality. You can't just say, okay, someone's a seven. They're always going to do this. They're always going to do that. Yeah. People aren't built that way. So, you know, you, you know, people say, oh, he's anxious. Therefore, you know, he must be a six. And I'm right. like, no, actually, that's a two with an anxiety disorder. Yeah. Or that, you know, or, you know, that person's really depressed. They must be a four. It's like, no, they could be a seven wrestling with depression. Right. 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 So yeah. it's it's complicated. So, you know, here we're talking to someone with Taylor who's a seven who, by virtue of trauma and life experience, is bringing in. She's talking very codependent themes. Yeah. If if and it's possible that an inexperienced person who with the Enneagram could go, oh, she's a two or a nine. Right. Right. Because that's more typical of twos and nines. Yeah. To yeah. have those codependent features. It's like, no, she's a seven who's wrestling with codependency. But would it be fair to say, Taylor, that, you know, for a lot of your life, that addressing trauma, painful stuff in your life would have been difficult because you shied away from dealing with distressing emotions and feelings and thoughts it's like and was always on the move you know trying to yeah. stay five steps ahead of the pain i don't i just don't want to look at it i want to stay happy i want everything to be fun i want everything does that describe your experience literally yeah every i was i mean really since i was nine, eighteen, i was like in and out of relationships if it wasn't healthy obviously I wasn't healthy if they weren't healthy it didn't matter like whatever I just need to be loved would take a month off meet somebody got my flight attendant job would get broken up with the next day I'd be on a flight to Portugal crying had raccoon eyes working on myself but then I'd like it was just like this unending cycle of not wanting to deal with the mm -hmm. issues but at the same time too and that's something I really appreciate you pointing out is that while so much of our like number really can help us heal and grow, like there are other factors too mm -hmm. that affect it. And that's one thing I wish that I understood more of like, cause sometimes I'll like, you know, people will be talking about the Enneagram and I struggle with anxiety and depression and OCD. And so while certain things are laid out for a seven, I sometimes don't, necessarily align perfectly with them because right. of mental health issues that I have. And, you know, I, I really appreciate you saying that because there's a lot of things that we can look to and towards that's our number, but that doesn't mean it's going to be like exactly verbatim what it's supposed to be like, you know? Yeah. Well, it, 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 as I like to say, just because you know someone's number doesn't mean you know them. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. People are complicated. You know, the Enneagram yeah. isn't, is, is, a, is, is a data point among many that you can take into account when you're discovering who another person is or who you yourself are. I like when you talk yeah. about when you compare the Enneagram um, to the, the uh, color wheel. Yeah. That there's just so many different, you know, like you, you've said, if you walk yeah. into Home Depot and say, hey, I need red, they're going to say, what 2,000 shades of red do you want? Right. So, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. what, what version of seven of the, of all the very different yeah. variations right. of it do you want? Yeah. You know, yeah. same, same thing. All right. You've written this book, right? Words from the window seat, the everyday magic of kindness, courage, and being your true self. What's the story behind it? The story behind my book? Yeah. 
It's a lot of stories, um, actually. So basically, my book is a collection of the past 28 years of living. Uh, mm. And each chapter is a note that I've left on a plane for somebody to find. And it's the story behind it or stories that inspired it. Um, there was no way I like tried to sit down and write like f- start to finish. And I was like, this, this thing is everywhere. Like I want it to be so many different things. Even in my subtitle, we, she's like, you need to pick three. And I was like, well, it's, I mean, it's a lot of stuff. So it's a really beautiful just collection of different stories, um, from traveling and my job and being a human that struggles with mental health and childhood and, it's just, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's great though. But yeah, each chapter is a note, um, is inspired by a note that I've left, uh, when I started my project words from the window seat. Mm. I love that. I do too. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) And I love how seven it is. Um, (laughs) so you, you started leaving these notes, uh, these post-it notes for different people, right? Um, on plane, on the planes that you're, you're, serving on and yeah. uh, obviously they had great impact on people right and was yeah. deeply moving to people and uh, I mean it's a great premise right about um, showing kindness uh, to other people mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. hopefully enriching their lives by these random messages right Left yeah. I fly all the time I mean all the time yeah okay and ain't nobody left me a note <laughs> what's what? I need and to how fly America. Would it be if you like? You fly I Delta mean, or I Southwest? I do don't fly you? Delta. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were a Delta guy. No. Oh, how did you I know I was a Delta it. guy? I think They're... it was the glasses. I don't know. Oh! <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, well, I just want to say, I just want to say that if American got a few more new pieces of equipment, I would be happy to ride on Delta. <laughs> but out in Nashville. They're all these yeah. old commuter planes, you know, little CRJ know. 900s or 700s or whatnot. See, yeah. I even know the names of the equipment. I fly so often, I actually <laughs> even ask. I, my assistant actually knows on different pieces of equipment which seat I likes to sit in. Oh, oh it's a 737? Goodness. Okay, he likes this seat. Or if he's on, you know, oh, he's going to be on a, you know, a dash. Oh, have you ever been on a dash, one of those little dash eights? I don't know what that oh, is. Oh, that's a prop plane, man. Oh, you yeah. do not want to do those. No, I've done those. Oh, no, it's not good. Tiny. Not good. I fly on the big one, so I'm not on any of the CR, ER. I'm, I'm on like the 737s and the mainline mm. ones. So right, what's your they're route? very what are your, small. Okay, what are your routes? Oh, just everywhere. I'm going to Austin this weekend, and tomorrow I do LA Vegas, Vegas LA, then LA Austin. Then I do Austin Dallas, Dallas home. So I'm just, I'm everywhere. You can't, you couldn't find me if you wanted to, um, you would have to search, you'd have to search hard. <laughs> I'm all over the place, which is fun. It, I love it a lot because I don't like the same thing. So I, just, I bet I you get don't to go everywhere. No, I, yeah, you wouldn't know. <laughs> it's very seven. I don't like the same thing. Take me to a new no. city every yeah. single time. Yes, I have a question exactly. for you. You, yeah. I, you said the Enneagram has helped you love yourself better. Can yeah. you like, uh, open that up a little bit? Like how, how has it helped you love yourself better? Yeah, I mean, I think when we take the time to get to the core of like who we are, who I am, Mm -hmm. and to really just 
not be afraid to like embrace our true authentic selves who we are at our core like showing up exactly how we are Mm. and not faking it i think we just have like a real relationship like think about your friends like you have your high maintenance like you have to take a breath before you see them friends and then you have your friends who come over in sweatpants and like they're just themselves like we Mm. value those relationships a lot more not that we don't value the others it's just different and i Mm -hmm. think the same goes with ourselves like when we can show up exactly how we are and understand that clearly and like love ourselves, even though some of that stuff might make us cringe and not always laugh and like mm-hmm. have fun. I think we really can like, that's where the, the work and the beauty and the joy and like the trueness of who we are and who God's like intended mm-hmm. us to be and created us to be like, we love ourselves because we're who we are, you know, mm-hmm. and we're not faking it. And I think that the Enneagram is such a beautiful tool to, really have a more clearer picture maybe not a perfect picture and that's what i love about it it's not perfect it's just like this is what it is and you can do like there's a thousand different routes and things you and paths you can take with the enneagram and that makes us you know really understand ourselves and yeah there we can love ourselves better so and of course what yeah what you're what you're saying i think is which is true is that the enneagram is an approximation Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an approximate picture, mm-hmm. right? But it, it doesn't, it's, you know, you, you aren't going to see it in the clearest detail, but it's a pretty good approximation of different, nine different ways that, that people show up for life, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, approximately. So anxiety, you've mentioned the word anxiety about five times. You, uh, mm-hmm. you're, you are in the fear triad. Uh, and I know from knowing many sevens that uh, though they look very confident, anxiety is a th- big, big theme in their mm-hmm. lives. I know more sevens who tell me all the time, people have no idea mm-hmm. how scared I am. Yeah. I mean, really, I, I hear it all the time. Yeah. I look yeah. fun. I look confident. Yeah. I look like I'm, you know, just like full of life and yeah. I don't have a care in the world. Right. But if you look behind the veil you're going to realize that I'm a very scared person who um, is just has constantly carrying anxiety around. Sometimes it's about abandonment. And, and often in childhood, what happens with that seven is they have experiences of abandonment, neglect, overwhelmment, whatever it might be. And then what they do is they begin to try to get out of that they they try to be flying from las vegas to austin to austin to la from la to cincinnati to right they're on the run like sevens are on the run Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that's why you became a flight attendant though it is a great metaphor (laughs) um but but it is like you know they're 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 on the run it's Mm -hmm. like they're always looking over their shoulder like at something's chasing them you know it's one of those strategies you talk about to deal sometimes with that inner anxiety right yeah so they're running they're looking over their shoulders at at whatever the object is of of anxiety what was your object of anxiety if you looked over your shoulder before you started doing work and you're looking over your shoulder like i gotta keep running i gotta keep running you know i don't want to have that thing catch up to me what was the thing you were afraid would catch up to you not being in control Mm. oh unpack that unpack that sound like my therapist but yeah Mm. control for the next half an hour i am your therapist (laughs) (laughs) unpack that for me what does that mean i have realized you know i have finally found a good therapist and for a long time you know we would always talk about like 
anxiety and depression and like tools and all these things. But I found a therapist um, about a year ago, one that I really love. And like our first session, like my diagnosis was trauma brain. Mm -hmm. Instead of viewing like all the things that come, she said that all of the things that I have are because of my trauma. So Mm -hmm. I don't have anxiety. I'm not like, I might have a chemical imbalance, but most of it comes from my trauma not healing my trauma. And if we can do that, then all of these other areas should be better because I have the tools that I need. And so just getting that and like having that healing and that understanding of, okay, I'm not all these things. I just need to focus on this one thing because how I am anyways, it'll take me five years to do something that would take me two months because I run around or avoid or whatever. And um, yeah, I think just realizing she's like, is your house spotless all the time? And I was like, yeah, she's like, that's trauma. That's control. And I was like, okay. So just so many things that are linked to our trauma from a lot of it's from my childhood. Mostly all of it is from my childhood and just wanting to be in control is such a big thing for me because I had abandonment issues. So when I was little, I stepped up and I felt like I had to do this and do that and do that and do that. So now as an adult, I have to be in control of everything or else I'm anxious. And when I'm Mm -hmm. not in control, I'm having anxiety. So whether it's the future, if it's my husband driving the car and he's not in the left lane, even though the left turn is in three miles, I like, I'm just anxious because I'm not doing it. And so yeah, I would think if I looked over my shoulder and was about to be anxious, it's probably because I'm not in control of something and I'm not just letting life happen, you know, mm. and and that's so, so true for myself. Anytime it's something's going, it's not that it's wrong, I'm anxious, it's because I'm not controlling it, that's why I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, so did you grow up feeling like you... Hmm, that that in pain or when you were facing struggles that no one was there to support you yeah yeah i my parents got divorced young and my mom um after they got divorced just had addiction tendencies and kind of left the picture i haven't talked to my biological mom in like over like probably 15 years at this point because mm-hmm. she just wasn't a good mom and my dad got remarried really soon and so my stepmom became my mom And, you know, as a kid, you just want your parents to be together. And nobody really explained to me, like, what was going on. So I just felt confused and abandoned. And since nobody was explaining things to me, I felt like I couldn't go to people for things. So then I handled it by myself. So, yeah, to answer your question, yeah. Yeah, and so for a lot of sevens, Anthony, that what what happens is they, um, because they don't feel anyone's there to support them, that no one will be there for them, the, the unconscious message that they absorb, right, is um, no one's here for me. I have to take care of it myself. Yeah. You know, it's all up to me. And then no wonder you create a neverland in the head where your strategy is, well, let's, just, let's just have fun. You know, let's just, yeah. let's just keep it smiling. Let's just keep it optimistic. Let's just, you know, do all that stuff. But, mm. you know, uh, and addictions are a big thing for sevens um, yeah. oftentimes because, you know, the, it's the quickest route to pain management. And I'm wondering for you, Taylor, if relationships were addictions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, relationships and also reassurance. Um, mm. Like I needed 
I used to in relationships, even if I obviously didn't want to be abandoned, I would try to make the person break up with me to get reassurance that they wouldn't leave me. So like how twisted and unhealthy Mm. that is, like I would push them as far away, even though I didn't want them far, but I would push them to have that reassurance to come back to me. So Mm. I would feel wanted and needed because I just had such big abandonment issues, you Mm. know, so unhealthy and gross, but yeah, relationships were my addiction for a hundred percent. Wow. That's sort of an uh, yeah. uh, expression of that control too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's trying to control yeah. your environment. Reject them before they reject you. Yeah. Yeah. Because my growing up, unfortunately, but thankfully, I saw, you know, drug addiction, alcohol addiction. I have a lot of alcoholics in my family. So like I am like cutthroat. I'm like all in or none. And so mm-hmm. I chose, like I drink now, but I didn't drink like, and I said I would never drink. And I, I did, but when I was 21, I finally did. But I was so, so petrified. Like I was so, I remember like hanging out with friends and like if they would smoke weed, I would like almost have a panic attack because I just thought it was like, like I was just so tormented and and hurt from my childhood and seeing people walk out because of those things. So thankfully I have not struggled with substance, but yeah, hundred percent relationships, just my air, my ev- every, they were everything in my early, you know, teen years and twenties. How do you navigate that? Like in your marriage with your husband, the, the fear of abandonment? I have, come a really long way mm-hmm. and at the beginning of us dating I want I once I, I tried to break up with him and push him away once just to see it how it would go mm-hmm. and I for the like that was like my I had been going around that mountain so much and like so many times and as soon as I did it I felt like I felt different and I was like this is the right person for me. Like we've got, this is, we can't do this. Like, Mm -hmm. because he is healthy enough to not play the game either. So he was like, we're not, he, he's just, he's such a good solid human that he doesn't put up with that stuff. And Mm -hmm. like at the very beginning, there was a few times, but for the most part, this is just such a healthy, good, beautiful relationship. Um, But we really work on communication and, you know, I have obviously shared the most raw and deepest real parts of me and he does the same. And so I think just finally having like a safe person mm. has m- been how we navigate it. Mm-hmm. So I feel safe enough and understood enough to not want to be the same. And mm-hmm. also because I'm doing the work on my own. But um, yeah, I think him being aware and him being healthy enough to work with me even if that means space like a Mm -hmm. lot of people don't can't give somebody space you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think it it, thankfully i learned my lesson because i did it so much and i ruined so many good relationships because of my tendencies like i think i finally just got to a point meeting the right person where i was like if you do this you know what's gonna happen like you can't you know, at this point. Mm-hmm. And so I made the choice to not do it and to really make sure all my relationship side of 
of things, all my issues I had were worked on or talked about or, you know, I for the first time I told him, I was like, hey, this is what I do. Like, I'm it's not OK, but I want you to know because I'm I'm working on not doing them. But you also need to be aware. And that was the first time I ever like spoke it out loud. Wow. Um, yeah. So I was just like, don't put up with me, but I'm, I might do it. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. It sounds to me like, you know, you're a young seven who hit a bottom and you uh, had no choice but to turn around and face what it was, the source of anxiety, right? Yeah. The, the source of fear. In the process of that, have you felt like running like just like this is too much this is too intense i i just i can't look at this stuff yes i have but the that's one of the beautiful things about even the pandemic is I can't run. Mm. I literally like the pandemic as hard. It's literally anybody's worst nightmare, but I feel like with my mental health issues and also being at Enneagrams, like this is my worst nightmare, not being able to do anything, not being able to pick seven new hobbies to do a week. Cause right. I can't le- like, it's the worst case scenario. So I think that since we're almost, I mean, it's almost been like two years coming up. Like, even though I've wanted to run, I can't go fly to Portugal. I can't go rock climb and not deal. Like I literally have just had to sit in it and it. So yeah, I've wanted to run at times, but I can't <laughs> Yeah. like, I just there, I can't do anything, you know? So yeah. as hard as this time has been, it's really, really, really been like a blessing to have. Uh, yeah, I just, I had no, uh, yeah. Mm. I think so, I, every type has had different struggles in the pandemic, but sevens, yeah. man, you just described, I think, what yeah. a lot of sevens have felt, which is yeah. like, you know, I don't have the um, ability, you know, all my defense mechanisms are being yeah taken away. Taken away. Yeah. Right. And I, I don't, I have to either face what what it is or come up with new yeah. ones, mm-hmm. right? And some yeah. do, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Some do. They just find a way to check out, you know, in the in the middle of it all. What it, when you think about the book, like, what? Let's imagine I'm in the I'm in Barnes and Noble, and I'm you you happen to be standing next to me. I'm looking at your book, and you say, "Oh, that's a that's a, I think you really enjoy that book," and I say to you, "Really? Why?" Why should I buy this book? I'm an avid reader. I love reading. So I like can say this from a reader perspective. It goes deep. It's funny. It's really, I really, really focused on keeping it true to how I talk. Um, so it's very personable and it will inspire you. It will also call you out. It will, it's just a lot of things. Mm. And so I think that that's so cool because anybody can get something from it you know like I was even worried because obviously my audience is mostly you know the ladies and I was like I want this to be for everybody I want this to be for guys and I had my husband and one of my good uh friends Ricardo like have read it and really loved it and connected with it and I'm like so stoked that it's just for everybody because Mm. I really wanted it to be something that somebody could pick up 
and at any point flip to a page and read a few pages and get something from it. And um, yeah, I'm just, that's what I would say to them. I'd be like, you, you should get it. Like it, it's a lot of things. And in one of those things that is in the book, you will connect to and hopefully be inspired and encouraged by. Great. All right. So last question. Um, You, uh, do you have a word of encouragement or advice to a seven um, who is, you know, not, not living their best life yet? What, what would you tell a seven on the, perhaps the beginning edge of their journey of self-discovery mm-hmm. facing the pain of their, of their life. Some of the, some of which contributed to their, the darker aspects or the shadow blind spots of their type. Like what would you, what advice would you give them? I would say that the work is worth it as mm-hmm. intimidating as teeth gritting as horrible as it may seem to look at everything in front of you that you might have to deal with just know that it is so worth it your future self even if it might take you know most people a couple months to get through it for us we're going to put it down and pick it up a hundred thousand times and it might take us four times as long to do it Mm -hmm. and for me i mean it almost took like 10 years to like mm-hmm. really be able to do this. Like if you would, we would have done this podcast three years ago, I would not be saying that. like, it just, it's worth it. And as much as we love like beauty and joy and all of these things that are sparkly, our pain is beautiful too. Mm. And I think that that's something that as a seven, like don't be sad by it it's an adventure. And like, if you can look at it through the eyes of what you look at everything else, you know, when you travel, when you do this, when you do that, like our pain and our healing is just as important, if not more important than all of the other things that we love. And on that note, yeah, I have to say, I got chill bumps when you said that our pain is beautiful too mm-hmm. for yeah. a seven. I mean, what a powerful revelation. Yeah. And this seven is Taylor Tippett, author of the new book, Words from the Window Seat, The Everyday Magic of Kindness, Courage, and Being Your True Self. Y'all can go get it. Amazon, everywhere else that you buy your books. By the way, everybody support an independent bookstore as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. Always. Any bookstores forever. It's right. Absolutely. Instagram, Taylor Tippett, T-I-P-P-E-T-T. And uh, same thing on Instagram. And uh, you have a YouTube channel as well. I do, yeah. Right? I have so, all the things. I'm a seven. We do it all. We do it all. <laughs> Taylor, it thanks all. so much for being on Typology. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. It was really a treat. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, and good work. Good luck with all the work you're doing on yourself and with the drop of the book. Uh, thank we, you. We wish you every good thing. Yes. Thank you so much. Typology Tribe, you know we love you. And always remember the words. May you have love. May you have joy. May you have peace. May you have healing. May you have rest. Until we meet again, people. See you later.